The views and opinions expressed by various contributors to 98.5 CKWR and its radio programs are their own and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of 98.5 CKWR Wired World, Inc., its broadcasters, staff, or volunteers. Listeners are urged to use their own discernment and draw their own conclusions. morning, my name is Rob Daniels and welcome to Visions and Sound. Now for those that may be joining me for the very first time, Visions and Sound is a movie, TV, and video game soundtrack program that I produce each and every week right here on 98.5 CKWR. Well, here we are, show number 49 of 2022 and show number 1,154 if you're keeping track that way. This week, we kick off December with a look at... A Christmas Story Christmas. Now, with the Christmas season nearly upon us, it seems most appropriate to kick off the month with the annual classic, A Christmas Story. A Christmas Story is, is a 1983 Christmas comedy directed by Bob Clark and based on John Shepard's, or Gene Shepard's semi-fictional anecdotes in his 1966 book, In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash with some elements from his 1971 book, Wanda Hickey's Night of Golden Memories and Other Disasters. It stars Melinda Dillon, Darren McGavin, and Peter Billingsley, and is a seasonal classic in North America. It has been shown in a marathon annually on TNT, a network in the U.S., since 1997 and on TBS since 2004, titled 24 Hours of a Christmas Story consisting of 12 consecutive airings of the film from the evening of Christmas Eve to the evening of Christmas Day annually. Now, the film was released on November 18, 1983 and received positive reviews from critics. Now, it was filmed partly in Canada. It earned two Canadian Genie Awards in 1984. I first remember seeing the film way back in the late 80s, first on pay TV and then later on network TV. It became a yearly tradition to watch and quote on a regular basis. While the film is set in the 40s, the Christmas antics hit close to home with me, and of course, 
with other viewers. My niece also became a fan of the film over the years and has shared the film with her family. I had the privilege of interviewing one of the original composers, Paul Zaza, back in 2008. So here's a little bit of that interview with him. And like I said, back in 2008, a little while ago. After, after 25 years of, uh, of this movie being out, um, yeah. what is your favorite memory of making, making the score for this film? Favorite memory? When yeah. I got paid. <laughs> <laughs> Which was no easy task, let me tell you. Mm, sounds like it. Uh, yeah, no, no. With MGM, you'd figure they got money, and they do. Try to extract a, a paycheck out of them. No, seriously, probably the, uh, the probably the final screening when we went in and we watched it on the big screen, all glued together, and saw that first title come up with those dolls and Joy to the World, or actually the very first cue in the film is Deck the Halls, mm-hmm. and that green and red holly and the berry and the Christmas and the we look, look, watched the beautiful print of you know the answer print which came in. Um, and we saw this movie come to, to, together. I said, wow, it's magic. I mean, Christmas sort of looks a magic time in all of us, I guess, from our childhood. And somehow Bob took that and he managed to get that on the screen. And as soon as you watch it on the big screen now and the music comes on, you're in the Christmas spirit. <laughs> you know. And, that's, you know, anybody who can do that in July with a movie, <laughs> you know, that's, that's a magical thing. And I've seen other Christmas movies come out, and they, they try to be Christmassy, and they try to be cute and warm. and Like, they don't have the magic that, say, you know, Bing Crosby's White Christmas has, or Miracle mm-hmm. on 34th uh, Street does. And there's, a, there's a few of them out there that really do put you in that mood. And this film is one of them, yes. I think. Uh, for years... Um it would appear on, I don't know what was it, a city TV or wherever, and yeah. this it would just you know it would be a, a Christmas movie that I mean if it would be it would be almost almost up there with like um, you know it's a wonderful life if you miss this you feel like you've missed Christmas. Yeah, there are people who who look forward to it every every Christmas. They just <laughs> in fact in the states, where, which is where we usually are at Christmas time and at our right. house in Florida. They run it on the Turner Broadcasting Network 24 hours. They run it like a loop. It's just run, as soon as it ends, it starts again. For two, like 24 hours, right around the 24th and 25th. It's just the perfect, well, they as actually ended up buying it off of MGM, so <laughs> they own it. Well, where has, yeah. uh, where have, uh, um, has there been a uh, place where you've, um, heard your music or heard the film and been in the most unusual spot. Where has that ever happened to you? Have you been in like a an unusual spot and, and you've heard it and go, "Well, that's that's a Christmas story" or "That's my music." Well, it hasn't been with Christmas Story because that movie really you, you won't find it in too many unusual spots. <laughs> it's going to play. It's going to play in the month of December, right. uh, and it's usually going to play in a. No, but I've been, you know, I've, I've been in, like, Future Shop or Best Buy, and there'll be a movie playing on the screen to, to just to show how clear the picture is for a certain Sony type of 
flat screen TV, and I'll look and I'll say, oh, I, that's that's one of the movies I did. That's Fourth <laughs> Angel. Or, you know, it'll usually be something with, with with not a lot of nudity or violence if it's in a Best Buy. Mm-hmm. But no, yeah, I've seen I've seen movies that are on airlines or you know. The hotel. Very often, the HBO in the hotel room. There'll be a movie that I that I did right on the roster. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but that's that's. I, I you know I, I've done a lot of movies, so there's, <laughs> there's a chance that one of them will show up somewhere. The funniest thing was once I was in Italy with my wife in Rome, and we happened to put the TV on in the hotel room, and a movie I did called Saltwater Moose <laughs> comes on, <laughs> and of course it's all in Italian. And it was the funniest thing to hear all the dialogue in Italian, which sounds quite different than it does in English. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Now, now yeah. you've now you've you've made uh, um, some allusion of uh, as to what's coming up this this Friday. But what is in fact coming up uh, this Friday for the convention? Good question. Um, and by the time this gets to air, of course, it'll be over. Unfor- unfortunately, <laughs> it's a Friday and Saturday. Sunday, pretty much everybody. Uh, packs in and goes. That's okay. the thirtieth. It's in Cleveland. Okay. Uh, it's it's at the Renaissance Marriott Hotel, the big the big hotel, the big room. Mm-hmm. What they what they've got planned, and it's really quite it's quite something. I've I've looked at the schedule of of events. There's everything from uh, yeah, they're going to screen the movie on the big screen. They've got a a film called Clark World, which is a documentary that was made again, sort of. Tributing, you know, a, a tribute to Bob Clark, made after his death, of which I'm actually in the film. Uh, there's going to be some of the actors from the film who are quite a bit older now <laughs> will be there. There's going to be autographs signed. There's going to be a, a a ride on the fire truck, which is actually from Chippewa, Ontario. They drove it over to Cleveland. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a parade in front of Higby's at five o'clock on Saturday. Cool. There's going to be a meet and greet for the actors, and there's going to be a cocktail reception uh, afterwards, or uh, before and after dinner. There's a there's an actual house, the house that was where the movie was made, which was the Parker House. Right. It has been restored and it has been purchased by this guy, and is now a museum, in which you can go to, you can tour the house, you can see Ralphie's bedroom. Even got the leg lamp in the front window all lit up. You can see it from the street. He's got put a gift shop in there where you can buy little tiny leg lamps. You can buy leg lamp keychains. You can actually buy a Red Rider BB gun in there. You can buy all kinds of scarves and things that say Christmas story. You can see the furnace that kept blowing up in the basement. He's done a real number. I mean. This thing has absolutely gotten out of control, and there are apparently tens of thousands of Christmas story junkies in the United States who buy and collect this stuff. It's amazing. It is amazing. I'll tell you how absurd it is, Rob. <laughs> He's even got had to do some renovations on the house because it's an old house, as you can right. imagine, and it started to fall apart. Had to redo the siding. He has taken the old siding and packaged it and selling it. <laughs> siding, the original siding. You can own a piece of the Christmas Story House for nineteen ninety-five. 
it's available in the gift shop. I'm not making this up. Oh, no, if you I... go, go, go to the computer, Google Christmas Story House Cleveland, go to the main page, and you will see on the, uh, on the left side of the home page, you'll see where you can buy the siding in the house. <laughs> <laughs> it's all there, and you will see our soundtrack available online and in the gift shop at the Christmas Story House. Mm-hmm. Actu- all kinds of links. Okay. Now that was actually going to be my next question. Where can we find this this uh, this CD? Well, it's the, probably for those of uh, the fans who aren't going to be at the convention. If you come to the convention, not only will you get the CD, but the two of original composers will be there to autograph it for you. So we're going to be signing the CD and selling it right there in the, uh, at the convention. Mm-hmm. But for for a lot of the people who can't make it, it is available online. Uh, $17.99. It's uh, PayPal, Visa, Mastercard, Discover, all the all the usual channels. You order it online, and you get it in three to five business days, just in the mail or you know whatever, depending. I guess where where you live. But we're getting all kinds of people buying it from Germany and Sweden, and uh, you know all over the world. They're ordering this thing online, and you know it, it, that really is the best place to buy it. We do. We find a lot of the a lot of the stores. You know, they, they're really only going to in the states be interested in selling this after Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and then it's got a it's got a window of about maybe three weeks, maybe a month, and then that's it. This this, this record doesn't sell for eleven more months until <laughs> next year. <laughs> All right. Well, in a, in a Christmas story, Ralphie's ultimate goal was to get his his Red Ryder BB gun. Yes. Has there ever been anything in in your life that you've wanted so much that uh, that you'd go as far as Ralphie did in the film? Well, how far did Ralphie go? He, you know, he was obsessed with it. <laughs> okay, he was 10 years old and he was obsessed with with this in his quest for his his nirvana. This was his ultimate. Uh, and I think, and for a ten-year-old boy or a ten-year-old person, you know, okay, this is this is what he had reached. By the time he was twenty, he would have had a different goal, mm-hmm. and then thirty, a different one, and forty, a different one again. So at each period of our life, our lives, I think we we sort of have a. Um, we have a ultimate, oh, if only I could get this. You know, maybe at some point it would be to buy a house or get that sports car when you're a teenager, pay your mortgage off when you're older. You know, who knows? I, I, you're asking me a question, and I can give you about 10 answers because I'm 55 years old. So, you know, <laughs> there's been a lot of things I've, I've really wanted. Some of them I got Oh, I still have it. But, you know, the funny thing about it is you get older and then you, you realize, oh, I don't know why I wanted that. I don't want it now. You know, it's a good thing I didn't get it because I, I, if I had it now, I'd throw it out. So, you know, it, it's, it's really kind of, I think it's going to change with, with your life as you, as you, <laughs> you know, you get older. You, you, you want different things. I, I, mean, I think that, that's a safe thing to, to say, isn't it? I think it's very safe. Well, Paul, yeah. I really appreciate this. Uh, your your score to uh, to a Christmas story is is fantastic. I've had a chance to listen to it all the way through, and thank uh, you. And it's like I said, just fantastic. 
Um, yep. Your your, Thank ins- you. your insight on the on the score here is uh, is fantastic. It's always great to uh, to speak to the creators of of a cl- in this case a classic Christmas score. And uh, thank you. so, th- thank you very much. No, thank you for the for the music. That's that's uh, that's what I can say here. Again, you can find the CD uh, at a, a Christmas Story House as well. Uh, well, we we have our own website. If the fans want to just you know just www.atchristmasstorysoundtrack.com. Okay. Just what you do, and if that doesn't work, Google it. It'll show up. But it is at ChristmasStorySoundtrack.com. Okay. And there are others out there. You will see some people have put a bunch of the Christmas carols together and tried to stick a label on it and call it a Christmas story. Ah. It, it's not okay. the original soundtrack. What we have done is given you the original soundtrack from the movie in high-fidelity stereo, remastered, remixed, and it is by the original composers. So there's nothing, there's, there's no chicanery here going on. This is, the, this is the real McCoy. All right, then. Well, like I said, okay. thanks very much. Okay. Have Rob. yourself a wonderful Christmas. Thank you. And, you too. And uh, we'll hopefully get a chance to talk to you in the new year, maybe. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, that was uh, Paul, uh, Paul Zaza. He was a joy to speak to. Now uh, there is two parts of the of the interview. I played the the last half. Uh, times have changed, and the soundtrack is still available, but you might be able easier to find it uh, digitally than you can physically. Um, I still do have a, a CD copy of the of the score, but you can also find it on several other sites, including Apple Music. So you might want to check it out there. Well, welcome back to Visions and Sound. As this week we kick off the holiday season with a look at A Christmas Story and its follow-up, A Christmas Story Christmas. As I, and as I mentioned, the music is available uh, online and, and at most, well, like I said, at most download sites. Well, here is some music from Paul Zaza's and Carl Zetraer's music from A Christmas Story. I'll be back in just a bit.
And with a little bit of music from the 1983 film, A Christmas Story. That's music by Carl Zetraer and... Paul Zaza. Well, if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, Visions in Sound. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visions in sound. I am on the Twitter at Visions Sound. You can also try me on my website, visionsinsound.ca, where this show will appear in just a few hours' time. And you can also try me on, on I'm also available on Good Pods, a downloadable app for your phone or other such device. And you can also try me on Apple Music as well. So like I said, welcome back to the show. We'll continue on with a little bit more of the music in just a second. But I just wanted to say thanks for listening tonight. Uh, it's a it's particular pleasure that uh, I'm... This is always a, um, a fun time of year for me. And I hope that it's as, it will be as wonderful a time of year for you as it is for me. So I will just continue on with some more music from the original A Christmas Story with music by Carl Zetraer and Paul Zaza. And I will be back in just a little bit.
And welcome back, folks. I just wanted to take a moment here and uh, just set up the next piece here, because this is actually from a, uh, a cut scene, a scene that did not make it to the final cut of the film, where Ralphie's daydream, or his, his, his dreams, take him to uh, something a little bit different. I'm not sure if this was a rights issue, or if this actually was, a, was just cut from the film for time, um, but this actually, this scene is called Ming, or this this next piece is called Ming the Merciless, which um, fits with the time period because Flash Gordon would have been a huge, um, hugely popular, along with Little Orphan Annie and her Ovaltine uh, decoder ring. In any case, so the next piece of music you're going to hear is actually from that Ming the Merciless scene that was cut from the film. I do believe it does show up on the DVD. I'd have to look at the DVD because I watched the film again and I for, you know I forgot to check extra scenes. So here is uh, some of the music and then we'll just continue on with some more music from the uh, the the film but here is the scene Ming the Merciless and we'll be back in just a bit.
Thank you.
And with a little bit of music from the 1983 film A Christmas Story, that's music by Carl Zetraer and Paul Zaza. Well, if you're interested in any of the film, television, or video game music that I do play here on the show, by all means, you can contact me at, of course, visionsinsound at gmail.com. You can also try me online at facebook.com slash visionsinsound. I am on the Twitter at visionsound. You can also try me on my website, visionsinsound.ca. I'm also on Good Pods, a downloadable app for your phone or other such devices, and I can also be found on Apple Music as well. So as I said, welcome back to Visions and Sound, as this week we are looking at A Christmas Story and its follow-up sequel, A Christmas Story Christmas. So this time, A Christmas Story Christmas is, a, again, a Christmas comedy, but this time directed by Clay Catus. From a script he wrote with Nick Schenk, uh, from an original story uh, co-written by Schenk and Peter Billingsley. Now, it is considered a legacy sequel to A Christmas Story. The film is produced by Billingsley and, surprisingly, Vince Vaughn, with several others. Now, Billingsley reprises his role as Ralphie Parker alongside several of the other cast members who, who, prize, who reprise their roles as Randy Parker, Flick, Schwartz, Scott, Scott Farkas, and Grover Dill, respectively. So, the score... Uh, or actually a couple of weeks ago, I had the uh, opportunity to speak to um, composer Jeff Morrow. Now, as soon as I heard that there was this sequel coming, I had to track him down. So I had this great opportunity. I really like talking to the composers because you know what? It really gives me a, a better perspective on the music that I'm playing. And so have a listen. This is me. This is uh, the interview that I did with Jeff Morrow a couple of weeks ago. So, like I said, composer Jeff Morrow. Um, so let's start with uh, what is your musical background? I, I come at this sort of film scoring thing from a jazz trombone background, which uh, I did for school and professionally for a little bit, um, <clears throat> which has very little to do with what I do now. Um, but... Uh, it is how I got my start in the business, which is that I had a CD of jazz trombone music, which I dropped off at various music production companies in Toronto, just cold called. And uh, one of them happened to be looking for a junior composer to work on TV shows. And two weeks later, I was scoring my first TV show. <laughs> wow. With, with my jazz trombone CD that had nothing to do with, you know, like sort of what I was doing, but. You don't mind my asking, what was the TV show? The first one I did was a preschool show called Poppets Town. Okay. Yeah. You know, that was 17 years ago. I've been doing this for a while and, uh, you know, it's brought, it's brought me to LA and, uh, you know, ended with work, getting to work on amazing things like a Christmas story, you know? <laughs> All right. Well, what's the, the first thing you do when beginning to write a score? Yeah, well, I mean, have a good think about it, really, you know, uh, <laughs> um, which can either be a script. Yeah, which in this case, I read the script. Sometimes there's a movie ready to watch, you know, um, so or like in, in some sort of watchable state. So I'll watch that, which may or may not have temp music. And then 
you know, it's always a conversation then with the director, you know, like what is, what's the sort of goal of the music in, in a particular film, you know, like what are, what are we trying to accomplish? What parts of the story can the score help bring out? Um, you know, so in the case of um, A Christmas Story, Christmas, we, I mean, we knew it had to be Christmassy for sure, but it was about sort of getting the time period as well, you know, like uh, the original being set in the forties scored in the eighties. We, we were doing the, the 2020, 2020 score of the seventies. So bringing it forward 30 odd years um, still, still, you know, a little old school, but um, <clears throat> just a little newer school than, than the original, you know, <laughs> Ralphie's Ralphie's all grown up. So we we wanted to reflect that okay so what first brought you to uh, a christmas story uh christmas the director clay and i had actually worked together on a snoopy a, a like a peanuts holiday special um which coincidentally i was actually just nominated for an emmy for that score just last week uh, which was to mom and dad with love so it's like a it's a mother's day special that came out um, earlier in the year. So we, we had worked together on that, which certainly, you know, it got my name in the hat, basically, because I'd done that. And then I think sort of my experience doing various Christmas scores, you know, I've, I've worked on holiday specials for the Frozen franchise, for the Trolls franchise. Uh, I did one I did a Christmas special with Jimmy Fallon. So, you know, Christmas music uh, is sort of in, in my blood. <laughs> so it, it, it worked out, you know, like it, it was seemed like a good fit and it, and it was. So, um, uh, yeah, and then we just took it from there. Okay. So what influences your um, instrument palette? Um, that you use during during I mean obviously it's a Christmas movie so there's going to be some there's going to be things. there's going to be sleigh bells you know okay <laughs> yeah, and and jingly things uh, for sure um, but in the case of this one you know it's one of the things that the original one does so well as as just a film you know it's very uh, eclectic you know and there's sort of these uh, um, set pieces and it, it's really it moves kind of to a lot of different places and tones and that so which, which continues here you know like uh um there are yes we're doing the very like traditional warm orchestra bells all of that kind of stuff but there's banjo and opera singer and jaw harp and you know uh 70s organ and all, all sorts of different things because the, the, you know the, the the movie goes lots of places you know it's broad ralphie's imagination is uh is you know formidable <laughs> <laughs> and that and the music needs to represent that so okay so now do you did you study the original um um paul zaza uh carl zutrer score yeah or, absolutely or... i mean well or it's, it's i mean it's one that i just know you know right. having watched the original one so many times and it's a great score you know, so so unusual and, and quirky. Um, so, you know, there's certain certainly elements of that. You know, what they nailed is like the tone of of the film. I think, which is, you know, in this one, it's a different time setting, a sort of different situation. Ralphie's now all grown up, so you know, it the music reflects that. 
is definitely the starting place for all of this is the original movie, you know, you know, we, we, there's six or seven of the original cast, you know, so we're, you know, it's, it's very much a continuation of what was done. Approaching a Christmas film. I mean, you're obviously starting not in Christmas, but you're starting much <laughs> further back. Yep. What, how, do, what do you do to get yourself into the spirit? Oh, I just never leave. You. <laughs> no, I don't know. I just never leave. I just, I'm just never out of the Christmas spirit. I say that uh, sort of as a joke, but. Well, the I'm, reason why I, the reason why I ask that is that yeah. uh, um, George S. Clinton answered that question by saying that he hung up Christmas decorations around his, his workspace that helped. Oh. <laughs> so that's why I ask. That's funny. Uh, I love that. That's a great idea, actually. And the music editor on this project did that in his, where we sort of, uh, where I did my music presentations with the director in that room was it was decorated with Christmas decorations to sort of get us in in, in the mood. But you know, I, I have a two and a half year old daughter, so so Christmas ex- she wants to listen to Christmas music until about March, <laughs> and then I get a few weeks off, and then you know Christmas productions start ramping up, and and it's it's so happened that pretty much every year for the last five or six years I've done something Christmas related, you know, and. Yeah, like you say, it always happens in like June. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you know, you, you get used to it. And uh, um, it's not a bad, it's, it's, it's a nice headspace to be in for sure. Okay. How closely, I mean, it sounds like you worked very closely with the director, but how closely do you work with a director on a project like this? Are you, are you just told, go, go compose something, bring me back? Or is he always contacting you and, and, you know, giving you ideas or you giving him ideas? Yeah, yeah. I mean, a little of both. What they, you know, what Clay wanted from me was like for me to do my thing and take a big swing at something. You know what I mean? Like in terms of the sort of creative part of it was coming up with what my version of the score should be, you know, without without too much input at first. But then he, Clay was the only one with the sort of, grand vision for the film as a whole so yeah of course like once we're into sort of scoring scenes and all of this we work together very closely you know so um, met dozens of times you know sort of playing many many versions of cues but like uh, he's such a great collaborator in that he I really feel like pushes definitely pushes me but a lot gives me space to like continue to come up with new ideas to solve a sort of storytelling thing that we're working on. Sometimes when there's no music on the film, it's not, it can be, you know, like, you know, like, oh, how sad is this person supposed to be in this moment? You know, is it sort of like uh, contemplative or is it distraught or is it like, you know, absolutely destroyed? It, it you know, so um, those are all sort of knobs that the director, helps turn you know helps turn and and sort of guides me in the tone and then lets me sort of figure out how to execute that musically very few of the conversations actually involve real technical musical terms you know you know the clarinet should play a b flat here or something that doesn't really happen it's like it's like hey actually you know uh this scene is more about the father than it is about what's what we're seeing on screen or something you know so um yeah that's all part of the process so you're a composer obviously you write music but Mm -hmm. 
And you mentioned before when there was no music. Do you use silence as a composing tool? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, it's the only it's it's the best way to create awkwardness or sort of, you know, poignancy to a given moment. I mean, scoring comedy is one of the more challenging things you can do. And, you know, picking the moment to be silent is really key, you know, to, to some it depends on the situation, but certain jokes just like really land if the music comes out at like an exact point, you know, and, and I'm talking a 10th of a second earlier, quarter of a second earlier or later can actually, it can actually sort of do very different things. You know, uh, sometimes that happens where we'll, you know, I'll write something and then play it for clay. And it's like, Hey, what if this cue ended just like, you know, a quarter of a second earlier, it's like, Oh, there now the joke lands, you know? So, um, absolutely. Yeah. Silence is as, as powerful, if not more powerful than, than where the music is, you know? Okay. And I say that too, about film scoring, you know, sort of the two biggest decisions you can make are when to start and when to end, you know, like in terms of what the piece is, is actually sometimes less it was, I mean, of, of course it's very important, but like the most important thing is kind of, you know, when to come in and when to go okay so all right well how would a score that you write today mm -hmm. differ from one that you wrote 17 years ago oh yeah sure i mean uh, i've grown a lot i mean I, i've had many amazing mentors along the way uh you know this first gig i did with steve steve d'angelo which is who gave me my first job in in scoring and then moved here and worked for Christoph Beck, which gave me the opportunity to work on some of these Frozen things and Trolls and Ant-Man. Um, and really, I mean, the one thing about producing a film score to like a 95 or whatever, 110 minute movie is it's, you can't just sort of um, figure it out on your own, really. You know, you need, you need mentors to figure out how to, because it's a, it's a huge amount of work and there's a lot of moving parts, you know, probably a hundred different people contributed to the music of the score. So um, just learning how to manage that process is, is, uh, is really something. So I had all these amazing mentors, Christoph Beck, uh, Henry Jackman. I just finished doing some work with Alan Menken on um, the little mermaid and uh, you know, you learn so much from these people. So, I mean, I, I don't know what to say specifically other than just better, you know, okay. <laughs> and, you know, uh, in terms of the actual story, it's like, I have kids now, you know, so uh, the, this kind of film means something a little different for sure. Okay. Now working on, on, on the, the films, you mentioned Ant-Man, you mentioned a couple of other ones. Yeah. Are you writing, a cue or two or like how how are you, are yeah, you I mean, directly with the director or sorry oh yeah yeah well it's those are sort of varying levels of you know when, when people talk about working with other composers on films that can be varying levels of sort of commitment from just a little bit to quite a lot in the end it's it's the sort of name composer's vision of the score you know but then you know like some of these films that are two and a bit hours long and have you know 110 minutes of uh orchestral music there's there's 
almost no way for one person to do it on their own, you know? So we all have basically teams to help us execute these scores, you know, where I, you know, um, I'm in charge of the vision, but what's nice about it is that it creates this sort of mentor path, you know, that, um, I think really is the only way to learn how to do it. You know, uh, I mean, there are some exceptions, but, you know, talk to most film composers and they, they will say that they've, they've come up under someone or someone's taught them, the, you know, sh showed them the ropes, you know, um, Christoph Beck, who I worked for, worked for Mike Post, uh, Henry Jackman, who I've done some work for, worked for Hans Zimmer, you know, so the, all, it, it's kind of like, you know, it, it, it passes the knowledge along, which is, uh, which is such a nice thing. Okay. So now on a, on a Christmas story story, mm -hmm. um, are you, or I'm uh, sorry, a Christmas story, Christmas, I mean, Yes, like, yes. Uh, um, yeah, are, are you using live players? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. We went to uh, we went to Nashville and recorded the symphony orchestra there, um, which was fantastic. You know, so yeah, everything. You know, when I'm writing the score, I'm using my computer and coming up with sort of computerized demos of what it's going to sound like, and then I uh, give it to my team who <clears throat> translates that into paper scores for all all the musicians and then yeah i flew out to nashville and we we're in a beautiful studio uh hit record and and all of these people brought brought the music to life which was which was great okay are you I feel, I feel like for for a movie like there's just you know it just wouldn't be the same you know you really need the sort of human feel of it to to give you that christmasy warmth and the sort of unusual nature of some of the music are you conducting your scores? No, no. Okay. It's something I've thought about, but you know, what's most important um, <clears throat> from my perspective is what's going to end up on the film, which is actually what's coming through the microphones, you know? So being in the room sometimes isn't actually like a uh, proper representation of what, what's going to end up on the film, if that makes sense, you know? So I sit in the control room and, uh, you know, I had an amazingly talented conductor on this one who works with the orchestra all the time and sort of give my notes from there because in the end, it's what's coming through the microphones is what's going to be printed onto the, onto the film itself, so. Okay. So now, are we going to see a soundtrack release? Yes. This? Oh. I don't know. I don't know if it's announced yet, but it is coming shooting for around the release date of the film. So um, there's no actual specific date yet, but it is going to be in the next few weeks. So I, I take it will be a digital release. Yes. yes. Okay. Yeah. And uh, where could we find that if, if that is the case? Spotify, Apple Music, Tidal, all the all the sort of usual um, usual streamers. So okay. fantastic. You know, you've, you know you've, you're now finished with uh, a Christmas story Christmas. What does the future hold for you? Yeah, well, you know, like I, um, coming up is uh, The Little Mermaid, which I did some work with Alan Menken on, uh, which comes out next year. Uh, I'm working on a series about uh, kids who do very high level science fairs. Um, there's 
it's based on a, a documentary film I scored about five years ago that was a big hit at Sundance called Science Fair, and we're now sort of extending it to a, to a series. That's going to be on Disney Plus next year. And then more uh, Peanuts holiday specials. So, um, yeah, which has been just amazing um, to get to work. I mean, to really get to work in all of these sort of legacy sort of uh, uh, stories has been incredible, you know with the Christmas story Christmas, the peanuts, um uh, little mermaid um so um yeah it's all it's all very exciting. Keep all right. Busy. Now I have to ask this question. Yes. Ralphie wanted a red rider BB gun <laughs> as a child. Did you ever have a toy that you desperately wanted? <sighs> I don't mean to put you on the spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it was never a specific thing. I always wanted a remote control plane. Always. And I would buy, every time we went to the store, I would buy a remote control airplane magazine and and just like ogle over people who actually could own a remote control plane. Only now in like adulthood can I just, you know, now that I can just go out and buy one, which I've done and it's super fun. But yes, <laughs> as a kid, I always wanted one and I never had one. So... <laughs> <laughs> well, I really appreciate the the time you've given me today. Absolutely, uh, it's, yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it, it's fantastic that you've been the, you keep the uh, a Christmas story uh, legacy going. Yeah, and uh, it, it I, I'm really looking forward to uh, to hearing what you've come up with for this movie. Thank you very much. Thank you. Yeah, it was great to speak to Jeff Morrow on on uh, on that uh, on a few weeks ago. So yeah, it was fantastic. Uh, I'm really happy that that uh, this score was released. Actually, it's it's kind of great, a uh, nice companion piece, I will say, with uh, with the, the Carl Zetrer and uh, Paul Zaza score. So it was released. Like I said, it, uh, the sh- the movie itself was actually released a couple of weeks ago on HBO Max in the United States. Unfortunately, I haven't seen it uh, released here on. Uh, in Canada yet as of this broadcast. So now the score I actually do have and was released on Apple Music and other download sites. So here is some of uh, Jeff Morrow's score to A Christmas Story Christmas.
Well, that's all for me this week. Um, thanks for hanging in, those that did. And as we near the end of 2022, I hope as you're getting on with your day that you realize just how awesome you are. Never let anyone tell you any different. If you're ever not feeling right, there are people out there who care about you and are willing to chat. If not family, then some professional who can help. As Rocky said, nobody hits harder than life. I know from personal experience how hard it is for me to sit behind this mic week after week when I feel like no one cares. I would never have made it this far without the huge support of a team of people behind me. If you or someone you know is in crisis and needs help, resources are available. In case of an emergency, please call 911 for immediate help. The Canadian Association for Suicide Prevention, Depression Hurts, Kids Help Phone at 1-800-668-6868, 1-844-HERE-247 and here247.ca all offer ways of getting help if you or someone you know may be suffering from mental health issues. Well, join me next week as we continue into December with a celebration and a tribute to Kevin Conroy. I'll end off this week's show with some more music from A Christmas Story Christmas by Jeff Morrow. And I will be back next week with more Visions in Sound.